Welcome to the Globe Trotten ADs. This podcast is for you, athletic directors, activity coordinators, coaches, and program associates based in international schools around the world. The Globe Trotten ADs is proudly hosted by Nick DeForest from the American International School Vienna and Matt Fleming from the American International School of Budapest. Here they are now, Nick and Matt and the Globe Trotten ADs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Globe Trotten ADs. Today, we're pleased to have some guests joining us from uh, various parts of the globe. And today's topic, we'll be talking about virtual competitions for athletics and activities. So we're really happy to have uh, Matt Lautenbach, who's the athletic athletics and activities director at Vientiane International School in Laos, as well as my colleague, uh, long-term colleague and good buddy here from Budapest, the American school, uh, our student life coordinator, middle school, high school activities coordinator, Mark Lavois. So we're really happy to have you guys here. And I'll kick it over to Nick. How you doing, Nick? Hey, pretty good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro, Matt. Um, Matt and Mark, thanks for joining us. Uh, before we get into um, virtual competitions, um, why don't you just uh, take a second and um, give us a li- little bit of a, a profile? Um, at least, at least tell us where you're originally from and and maybe how long you've been at your school you're at. Um, but anything else is great as well. So, uh, Matt, why don't you kick it off? You're from the farthest away. Fair enough. I um, have, this is my second year in Vientiane. Um, before that, I was in Beijing for one year at a startup school that didn't start up. It was a great opportunity to learn the inner workings of a school, but I was hired as athletics director and through a series of uh, situations and things outside of our control, we never were able to get our license and open up. So that was a one-year adventure in school management. Um <laughs> Before that, I have been in aquatics pretty much my entire career. I was the aquatics director at Cairo American College. And before that, I was head coach in the United States for a few years. And then I started the international school journey at the Western Academy of Beijing as aquatics director. Um, before that, most of my coaching happened in the U.S. And I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Awesome. Thanks. Never heard that before. Started a school that never started. Never started. <laughs> it was an incredible learning opportunity. This is why we love international education, because you never know what's coming at you, right? Yeah. Um, well, before I introduce myself, um, Nick and Matt, I just, Nick and Fleming, I wanted to say how deeply honored I am to finally be invited. I'm joking. <laughs> it's a great podcast. I've been a fan um, I think it's so wonderful what the both of you guys are doing and the fact that you're now expanding this into activities. You're thinking, I'm giving a plug to the, we're very excited about this online conference that you want to organize for students. I mean, the work that you've done with this, you know, uh, over the last year is amazing. And it's one of the things that we say to our students and our kids all the time is a a little idea if you see it through can really do some great things and that's what you guys have done with this so you know really congratulations on all the amazing guests and and everything that you've been able to accomplish with this so now i'm going to introduce myself um uh, as matt said or fleming said i've been a colleague of his Uh, fleming you've been here 13 years right yeah, I, I have been here for 25 years in Budapest, Hungary. I still love it. I've been here since 1996. Most teachers get into the international game, you know, to uh, go from school to school every four or five years. And I can't seem to leave Budapest, Hungary. I absolutely love the school. I love working here. I still get psyched uh, every single year when the school starts. So, uh, again... Really happy to be here. I've got a, a son who's 20, and I'm oh, I'm from Canada, and he actually uh, is now studying at the Toronto Film School. Um, so I can't believe he started at our school uh, in fourth grade, and now he's graduated, and I'm still here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks for the your your words and um, 
And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to talk about some activities as well. You know, we haven't uh, got into there, but that's a, a big part of, uh, of a lot of our jobs. But we're going to start with athletics, right? Our bread and butter. Uh, this, this fall, a lot of, uh, virtual competitions kind of popped up on, uh, a lot of our school's radar, uh, with cross country specifically. Yeah. I think schools across the world participated, right? If, even if you could meet and run together like we did or have kids run on their own and submit the times, that was, um, it was a pretty cool thing. Was your school done that, uh, anything with cross country? We haven't. We run a pretty um, tight, small athletics program that's fitting for a school of our size. So we offer basketball, football, and volleyball as part of the Marissa League and the Mekong River International School Association League. And then we um, participate in swimming around the region. So we don't have a cross-country program. Um, and we've been in such a fortunate position that our athletics program is largely running as normal. It, the piece that is just missing is that international travel and competition piece of it. So we have been fortunate that our practices have been able to go on as normal. But looking for that competition piece, we have tried to find some virtual competitions and uh, cross country and swimming um, lend itself a little bit better to that than those other three sports that we sure. participate in. Um, it's kind of hard to have a virtual volleyball match. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why I thought maybe a school like yours that didn't have cross country would have, you know, taken this, let's say, time that we're in to start one because I've heard that around around the world that, you know, cross country numbers just went through the roof because that's something they could actually do. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, our, our climate also is not so conducive to a cross-country team. <laughs> what about in Budapest, Matt? Your numbers of cross-country go, go through the roof this year? Yeah, we had, we had uh, really good attendance for, uh, for both middle school and high school. I think middle school is one of the bigger years. We believe, I believe we had about 35 kids that were coming out. and It seemed like each week we were getting more kids that were coming out, either they might have changed over from some another sport because tennis was highly subscribed as well. We had almost too many kids for that, uh, so we had some kids who were changing over. But we also had kids who just who maybe they hadn't figured out yet. New kids hadn't figured out the school yet. But uh, it seemed like every week we were adding kids to the roster. And luckily, we have a coach who's open minded for that and was happy to take on. He just lo- he just loves getting kids out there uh, running and, and being out there and being involved and taking advantage of the nature that's nearby. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was great. And the high school numbers were solid too. And they had a very successful season getting to know, know the local environment here up in the woods. You talked a lot about aquatics, Matt, and that's your background. And that's really why, why we wanted to have you on is because you've already hosted a virtual swim competition, right? We have. Yeah, it just finished up. Um, we put an invitation out to as many schools as I had contact for and just had a great response from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, I had probably 30 schools from nearly 20 countries that expressed some interest. And as we are seeing across the world, uh, new government regulations kind of put a stop to some of that for schools. Mm-hmm. But Basically, what we did is that we sent out the shell of a meet uh, for meet manager and any school could do the races whenever they wanted any time in the month of November. They would send me the results and I would put them together, compile them. In the end, we had uh, 16 schools, one club, and that came from 11 different countries that came together for this meet. So it was a great opportunity to just get some racing in and have that, you know, feeling of competition without having to go through a two week quarantine on both ends, which <laughs> just isn't plausible. Yeah. Well, wow, And that's, and from where you are, that's, uh, the swim season, right? Would that be the end of your swim season or the, near the beginning? We, we typically run all three seasons. We're taking the winter off this year in part because of COVID, but we're outdoors and it does get cold enough here that it does. We saw a big drop in numbers last year. So it marked an end to our first season. And um, I've started to put together plans already for the one that will run during second semester because 
what we heard from the schools in Europe and some of the schools that are just being able to come back into person um, is that there was a lot of interest around participating, but they just didn't have enough water time. So we're looking at the one for second semester, um, allowing schools basically to do it any time between January and May. And as long as they get the results, we'll be able to put them together towards the end of the year. Yeah, that's ideal. Yeah, because for us here, we, we, we it was great to get it, but it was just just a little bit out of sync with our season and, and not being really up and running with swimming yet. And then we've had issues of being the, the pool being open, then it was closed and it opened back up, and now it's closed again, uh, as well as the whole sports program being shut down for the moment. So, unfortunately, we didn't have a chance to get the, into that, that yeah. first one. And you have yeah. your own pool, right? I mean, you have yeah. a pool in your building. So, you know, for us to go to a city pool was, was even, even harder, but. We're at the mercy of the Hungarian government. So, you know, if they, they say we can't use the pool or we can't host any after school activities, which is what is a current case right now, then that's what we're doing. Well, now with yeah, our... and that's what we found from a lot of schools from around the world that some, um, ISKL in Malaysia, they were fully in practice. They had their meat set up. They had their parents ready to run it, to get us everything. And the government came in and said that, sorry, it's back to online learning. You can't be off. So the one that we're hoping to get going in the second semester here, that we just want to give as much flexibility, understanding that, especially in Europe, the schools don't have as much pool time as we have the luxury here in Asia, right. and that the seasons are different. Right. As our swim season is really just starting in a normal, in a normal year, um, I've heard of a couple European schools that are setting up a virtual meet. So Annie in Athens who's a listener yeah. in, in Kirby in, uh, in Moscow. Do you have any uh, tips for them as they, or for, for us in, as Europe in general, as we move into virtual swimming season? Um, what I learned when putting the results together, a meet manager is a phenomenal tool, but it is still a whole lot of manual work. And so <laughs> just give yourself a couple hours to get those results put together if you're using meet manager. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a great motivating tool for the kids and get it out there. And I think that even in a normal year, it's something that possibly could stick around in just the sense that, you know, my experience in Cairo, we got really excited every year to go to ISST when we were part of that league. But that was essentially our only competition outside of Cairo. So to keep these virtual ones going, I think we can all look at the current situation now and realize that travel may not come back in quite the same way that it previously was. So this adds an, another element of competition and just kind of that benchmarking, not that it's all about that, but a way of kind of seeing where we are without the hassle of arranging flights and hotel rooms. And for a swim team, when you're talking about multiple ages, I here in Asia, there's schools with 80 to 100 kids on their swim team. So to get a block of hotel rooms and to get enough spaces in a meet to make that a meaningful experience for everyone, to be able to run a time trial meet at your own pool and then just compare it virtually, I think there's still going to be a place for that. And I, I love the idea that you can do it in the beginning of the season as well. So like, that's always a hard time to organize a meet in international school because you're, you're just getting sorted, you're just getting organized. Uh, but if you can do it in house where you can have the coaches take care of the timing, you don't have to worry about getting the timing company and officials and all that, the usual work that goes into organizing a meet, this is one way that's a, it's a great uh, touchstone for kids to get an idea of where they they're they're at, especially in the beginning of the season. And they have another one later on, even if it's virtual. They've got somewhere to shoot. They got a, a number to shoot for to improve, get a, a new PR. So it's awesome that they get this you know, absolutely competition. And and that's even if even if our conferences are back up and running, right? We could still submit our you know the ISST conference results and compare them to you know. Uh, MESAC and and all these other different conferences, right? But Matt, that's something you already started, right? 
um, internationalschoolaquatics.com. Uh, so did you know COVID was coming or, or what? <laughs> uh, no, I, when I was in Cairo, I was just kind of curious. I, I knew that we performed really well in ISST, but I was kind of curious with my background in Asia, how we stood up against the other teams around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea for the virtual meet actually came from my early coaching career back in the U.S. And um, back in Michigan, we had a three-site prelim meet where a bunch of swimmers got together at three different schools around the way. We brought the results together and then ran a final. Whoever qualified the final session was at a different site. So it was a way of us getting a whole lot more swimmers into a meet again there's only so much time to run sure. the heats and events so to spread them out over three pools allowed for a much better comp so that's where the idea for this came from and again makes it really straightforward if not simple um, but the idea for international school aquatics was simply swimming is one of those sports where the Parameters of the competition are exactly the same no matter where in the world you are. A 25-meter pool is a 25-meter pool. So it lends itself really, really well to competition. Um, Growing up with that aquatics background, Swimming World magazine always posted a mythical high school uh, national champion in the United States and event champions for everything. So international school aquatics came from that. It's the idea of crowning a mythical world champion in this sense, individual top 25 for all of the events. What made it difficult is that every conference runs slightly different events. So to pick and choose which of those events was difficult. Um, The beauty of a virtual meet is that all of the coaches are sending their results to me. International school aquatics, it was 100% manual entry. It was me looking through Meet Mobile and typing in the results from each conference meet. (laughs) There's no way to get all of the great swims that happen around the world. So it was picking and choosing. It had to be a multi-country international league. So Singapore, for instance, has incredible local league. They have a ton of great swimming that happens there. But if it's schools just from Singapore, that meet wouldn't be included. If for UWC or Singapore American, their international league, those results would get included. So it was some cherry picking. There's Mm -hmm. not enough hours in my life for me to look through all of those (laughs) out there and manually enter them. But at the same time, it offered a great look at all of the great swimming um, that happens throughout the world. Uh, Last I guess it's two years ago now, but in 2019, the International School of Beijing was our mythical world champion. Um, the American School in London was the female world champion. IS Beijing was the male world champion, and IS Beijing took the combined crown. Before that, UWC East had been the combined champion for two years. But kind of to answer one of the questions that you posed at the end of last podcast or last time's podcast. Yeah. Swimmers are some of the most successful international school athletes out there. Um, St. Mary's in Tokyo, they've had uh, four different Olympians that have graduated from there in swimming. Um, Two brothers that represented Spain, uh, Mokhtar Yamani, who represented Yemen and went on to swim at the University of Michigan along with the Ortiz brothers. Miguel Molina, who um, represented the Philippines in two Olympic games. Um, Camille Chung represented IS Beijing and uh, CAC has its own Olympian and world championship bronze medalist Frida Osman who graduated from CAC. Wow. So the swimmers have kind of been able, it's a sport that lends itself very well to the international school season and club training outside of that. So, Matt, that's so true because we, on um uh we don't have him on our swim team but we have a young man uh in our school who has just made the hungarian national senior team awesome Uh, and you know that hungary is a a swimming power and it's really weird because you know i mean there's really apart from lake balaton in hungary there's really no water uh (laughs) but we're we're one of the top 10 swimming powers uh in the world and 
We have a young man who's in the IB in grade 11, and he just made the swimming team with some pretty outstanding times. So, Fleming, we, we, we need to join this so that we can, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's so many options that could be installed, which is great. Like I was thinking it'd be kind of cool if you could have, like, conference, every conference, right, their, their champions, you form, like, an all-star team that could go up, you know, compete with other regional organizations like we have a seesaw all-stars you know i mean stuff like that we that that's one possibility that come from this this uh this covid situation right we, we have the virtual Absolutely. these virtual all-star meets which is kind of cool so yeah but. and i think they happen a little bit more in asia um what i found having worked both in the Euro european sphere at cac and then in asia is that with maybe the exception of CAC and maybe ASL, mm -hmm. the major competitions tend to be situated in a single season, whereas in Asia, they truly are a year-round sport. So um, APAC and CSAC and IASIS has had an all-star meet in Bangkok. They run one or two versions of it, I believe. So they've kind of done that where you're competing for your league instead of for your school, yeah. which is a really kind of cool bridge building ideas. We're looking for ways for kids to connect across uh, teams and conferences. Matt, Matt, we've been, we've been lobbying our, we've been lobbying our school administration for an aquatics director and we're hoping that'll happen in the next two, three years. So if you ever decide to leave the luscious <laughs> jungles of Laos, uh, you know, look us up. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I think my wife would love to be in Hungary. So, <laughs> well, that's cool. That's really it. Really is like you said something that that you can compare because you know, like cross country, obviously you you know elevation and and surface and all those things uh, are so different. But swimming is is. Um, is is easy, so to speak. So yeah, obviously I'll put your um and have in a newsletter, but put the put your website there and and uh, encourage schools, especially in a normal year. You know, when we have these these competitions, maybe you know all the ISST, all the all the European schools could um, get the results to you in an easy way somehow. That'd be great. And uh, <laughs> and then really really take part. Yeah, it'd be it'd be great. Coach Evaluator is the premier coach evaluation software for schools and athletic organizations, and preferred coach evaluation solution of the NIAAA and the Positive Coaching Alliance. The system is completely customizable with an always growing evaluation template library for athletic directors to reference. There are not only evaluations for ADs to use, but also self-evaluations and parent player evaluations of coaches. Learn more about digitizing and simplifying your coach evaluation process by visiting www.coachevaluator.com. Mention Globetrotten ADs to receive a $200 discount on the yearly rate. Cookery are a global multi-sport clothing brand specializing in providing the world's most prestigious schools with bespoke made and designed team uniforms for students of all standards and abilities. If you are frustrated by inconsistent colors, branding, costs, and sizing across your school's uniforms, then it's time to discuss an offering where every sport is available from softball to soccer for male and female athletes at rates to suit your budget. To find out how Cookery could elevate the apparel of your student athletes to a professional level, email the team at contact at cookerysports.com. A dedicated sales manager will offer you a quote today. Mention this ad and receive a special offer on your coach or PE staff order. So let's um, let's shift our focus to uh, academics a little bit. Um, another, I think, big big feature for our kids as they're stuck either at home or, or in their own countries um, is to is to compete in the uh, academic realm. And uh, a few things are out now and happening. I think speech and debate, kind of some some quiz quiz games are out there. Mark, what uh, what are you up to in your in your role with the Budapest guys virtually? Well, be, you know, before I get into that, I want to really kind of share with you guys that um, 
The most important piece that we've been looking at here in Budapest is the wellness of all our stakeholders in the school, you know? <clears throat> so how are our students and teachers coping with, you know, hybrid learning and how are they coping with, um, you know, distance learning? At the moment at our school, we have uh, two divisions that are in school and one division that's outside of school. And it's been incredibly challenging. And honestly, um, you know, in my 25 years here at the school, I don't think I've ever seen staff members really feeling like they need to manage their energy uh, very, very carefully. And that's why when it comes to um, activities and clubs, uh, I've been very, very mindful of not adding uh, anything extra to their plates. Yeah. Having said that, <clears throat> I am amazed at the resiliency of our staff and our kids. And I don't know, they've been digging into places that I didn't think they could. And they've been finding the will to adapt um, their clubs and activities uh, to the current situation. And some of the things that are coming out of it are pretty extraordinary. Um, obviously, there are some uh, clubs and activities uh, that have stopped simply because they they need to be done in person. Um, for example, I'm thinking of something like band. Um, it's just not going to work if you don't get musicians together in a big room. Um, it would be pretty chaotic and a little bit hilarious to have... Um, you know, several bands on Zoom trying to figure <laughs> stuff out. Um, but there are uh, a number of um, uh, activities and academic competitions that are slowly but surely starting to develop a product that we can actually use. And I think it's, it's, it's really early in its infancy. Uh, and we are being very careful and mindful with what we're choosing to join because what I don't want is put the faculty who are sponsoring these clubs uh, such as Speech and Debate or Knowledge Bowl uh, or Math Counts or Robotics in a situation where it's going to become so much work for them to try to figure out the online platform uh, that it's really going to completely backfire on me and it's not going to be, and on them, and it's not going to be a positive, healthy experience for the students. So um, we've been working a lot in the organization that um, we belong to, CISA, which stands for Central Eastern European Schools Association, mm -hmm. at trying to develop um, really practical ways to be able to have uh, online opportunities for our schools. And mm, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively confident that uh, a lot of these are going to be successful, but I'm also, uh, I, my expectations are also as such that it's the first year we're doing this. And so it's not gonna go perfectly. But having said that, it still needs to be organized in such a way that it makes it relatively easy for the participants to understand and take part of. Um, so uh, one of the things that I also think is happening, <laughs> which I didn't think was gonna happen because you know, let's face it, a lot of teachers love the travel component uh, and they love to go somewhere else, but some of them are really enjoying um, you know, taking, taking part in something online, and they're really seeing the value of it. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing that, especially in high school, uh, it's really not interfering as much with um, the education of the kids. So um, we just participated in, in, in uh, MUN. And it was, you know, does it replace an actual MUN assembly? Probably not. But it was, by all accounts, a outstanding uh, event and that the, the kids were very, very proud of. But it was um, incredibly difficult to organize and to scaffold. Um, and I think that as we move forward with what's happening in the world right now, you're going to see 
um, these opportunities online learn a great deal and maybe improve and get better and better and better. Another example I can, I can tell you about is we have this thing uh, called Knowledge Bowl, which is an academic co uh, competition. And I forget the name of the group we're going with. What's their name again? <laughs> Anyways, we have this outstanding group, which is headed by a gentleman who uh, actually was one of the top winners uh, in Jeopardy. And he um, created this a uh, few years ago and had approached us a couple years ago to see we'd be interested in going with him. And it just so turns out that uh, now he has a, a, a outstanding product that he's developed um, that is um, going to allow us to hold an academic competition. Um, and what's really great about it is that he is uh, willing to spend a lot of time training the coaches and training the uh, participants so that everybody feels good and feels ready and feels like it's going to be something positive, healthy, and successful for them. I believe it's the History B, History Bowl, David Madden. Yeah, right. yeah David Madden, that's right. Real, real interesting guy. So, you know, I, one of the things that I was actually talking to Fleming about this morning is, you know, I, I don't honestly, I, I know I'm diverging a bit here, Nick, but I honestly don't think that we really know how different our schools are going to look like in a post-pandemic world. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, I think I think that I think that if we think that it's going to be business as usual as pre-pandemic, um, that I don't think that's going to happen. I think, of course, uh, I think we're going to all want some form of travel because it's yeah. such an important part of the experience for our kids and for our faculty. Yeah. But I think that there's going to be less travel. And I think the travel is going to look, it's going to be very different. And I think the schools are going to be very different. And I think the protocols that we're going to use for health and safety and wellness are going to be much more stringent, even once the pandemic is over. Yeah. I think it's going to take a lot of work for us to convince our parent communities that it is absolutely safe to send their kids abroad. You know, I think these kinds of, of events happen where they inflict kind of an unconscious trauma on people and people become extremely mindful and extremely in, in a bit fearful of everything. I see the fear here every day just not with the students, but also with the faculty, you know, about social distancing and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think that in terms of activities, our, our, our world is going to look very different. And, and I would like to take that as an opportunity to make things even better. I think if we're going to use the word hybrid, if we're going to live in a hybrid world of traveling and better online options, because they will have the opportunity to have kind of tests and trial throughout the pandemic. Yeah, I think it's tough, right? Because that travel piece, especially for a lot of our academic kids, is what we really want them to do. We want them to socialize. We want them to get out and, and you know, experience those things that the athletes experience, you know, often. Um, so to have them just, you know, just behind the computer even more um, will be tough. So I think we definitely want to, push the travel when it's safe and, and, and possible again, you know, the in-person connections. Um, but while we're at home, I think, like you said, the, uh, the academic bowl type things are, are easier to do. Um, I know that, uh, um, MESAC, the Middle East, um, conference, uh, with schools in, um, United Arab Emirates, Oman, India, and Qatar, they've had a big academic games thing happened the last few months i got i wanted to know what the kids thought so they've completed their season i would say and um mark you talked a lot about overloading the, the the faculty and the kids and screen time so i wanted to know what the what the students thought of this and uh scott hibbard who's the a friend of ours in 80 and uh, in dubai said that the kids were skeptical at the beginning but they had six scrimmages and then the competition and they loved it 
I said he said it it brought the school group closer together and the ADs and coaches as well. So of course it didn't bring them closer to kids at the other schools, you know. Um, but as their own school group, at least it brought them together inside, you know, and that was a big factor. Absolutely. I, I, I think that we're, there's another um, aspect of this that, um, you know, it's kind of a yin and a yang here. Because on, on one hand, if we provide more online opportunities for the students, um, that means more screen time. And they're already on the screen if they're distance learning practically all day. But on the other hand, to my surprise, what I've learned throughout this process is they need that. They want it yeah. because they need that social connection outside of class. They need to be able to feel like they're doing something fun on Zoom and they're getting to learn something and do something and, and really just kind of communicate with their peers. And, uh, and so it's that balance that we have to try to achieve in developing the activities in such a way that, yeah, they're going to be online, but, you know, at the same time, we don't, we want to mitigate it a little bit so that, you know, it doesn't take over their lives. For example, you know, we don't want, you know, a, a robotics group of kids to, you know, meet online and spend hours <laughs> trying to develop the robotics routine, you know, that's not a, a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just, I'm just blown away. I didn't think this was going to happen. You know, I, I, we, we have an all time record of students signing up for activities uh, here at our school. I mean, we have a very high degree of participation because the kids need it so badly. And, and quite frankly, I, I'm, that's why I'm very optimistic about the future because I look at how resilient our community is and how they are able to adapt. I mean, every day, you guys know this in your school, you don't, you're going to walk in through the doors, you don't know what's going to happen on that day. Yeah. You don't know what emails you're going to get from the school director. You don't know what the situation is, who's going to be in and who's going to be out. And the kids have developed this ability to adapt on a dime. It blows my mind. So I, I just think that we, we, we really need to... Um, have what we preach to the kids, that growth mindset, which is, you know, really encourage the kids to seize the opportunity and the moment to uh, continue developing their skills because the kids know, they know that this is the only way to do this now. They know this. Um, So I'm super thankful anyways uh, for the people I work with and for their willingness even though they're more tired than i've ever seen them tired uh i'll stop talking now i talk too much sorry (laughs) (laughs) you always talk a lot mark that's okay i do i do matt what um in a school like yours it's a a bit smaller i think than than both of ours uh how's the academic side are you competing virtually in the things that you had before new things uh not all that much um our activities program is rolling along like it normally does. As Mark talked about, our teachers and students are spread a little bit thinner than maybe they would be in a normal year. And we have some students that either have not been able to return to Lowe or have had to leave for a variety of reasons. So we are still kind of doing a hybrid model. The vast majority of our students are here in person, but we still are offering online learning opportunities, which is requiring tapping into those stores of resilience from the teachers. Um, We've had a few invitations for model UN events, but the, they don't line up with our time zone. So they just practically don't make sense for where we are in the world. Yeah. That's MUN is the only academic activity that we have that we would travel for in a normal year. Yeah. Okay. Well, this might be something for you if these academic bowl things, you know, continue. That's where something where your kids can, can compete without leaving, right? 
Absolutely. I've got a page of notes here of new opportunities that COVID may open up, as Mark talked about, that if travel does not return in a normal way, finding some of these pathways into new opportunities and a place for kids to develop new skills while respecting all of the time that they're spending in other ways. It's a huge opportunity that may come out of this. Right. That's it. What about um, any other new things, not just the academic ones that we already have now we're doing online and the sports that we already have, but what about some brand new things that might come out of this or are any of your schools doing something totally different that you haven't done before at all? Well, yeah, we, we've had some, some wonderful um, online initiatives by our students, which have kind of blown me away. We, I, I also happen to be the cast coordinator. And for those of you who don't know, um, listening to the podcast, what CAST stands for. It's a part of the IB. It's a core part of the IB, and it stands for Creativity, Activity, and Service. And um, it's really great for me to do the activities in CAST because they kind of go hand in hand. Because when a student uh, is a member of a club in school or a team, they get to eventually claim that as a CAST experience. But what's been really amazing is we've had a number of students who have created some online initiatives that have blown my socks off. We, we, we actually have um, Fleming Sun, who last year did a podcast on um, balancing, uh, you know, sporting and academics. Um, I have some students who are doing uh, cooking lessons and inviting other students to join them. Okay. Um, I have a young man who just started something called STC, which is Student Teacher Cooperation, which is an online forum for students to give constructive feedback to teachers. Um, on you know what it is that they're doing so there are all of these other things that are starting to grow organically in the yeah. community and they're kind of filling these voids that other things that can't happen have left mm -hmm. uh, like another example is we just started um, and we were late in the game but we're so happy uh, we have a student who lobbied our school to start a GSA group a gender and sexuality alliance we have a Feminist for Future group. Uh, we have all kinds of really neat student clubs that have started, were started by students. The students had to follow, you know, certain protocols to make sure that the, 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 the club would survive them. And what I mean by that is that it would survive them leaving the school and that, you know, the club could really go and keep on going from year to year. So it takes at our school on average, maybe three to four months to be able to create a club and go through all of the different uh, protocols and meetings and people that they have to meet to convince us that this is something that we really need in our community. Right. But at the moment, it's just, it's, it's really, uh, in a, I have a good problem because it's, it's, it's keeping up with all the really cool stuff that's going on that kids are doing. That's amazing. We, we're just in that balance. We are normal enough that we haven't kind of pushed the bounds of things. We're trying to keep our things that we've had in the past going mm -hmm. and have been very successful for that and feel very fortunate that we are able to have that normal thing. But where it hurts us that little bit is that it kind of removes the incentive to innovate, it sounds like, in the ways that you've seen at your yeah. schools. Yes, I, I see that in our in our fall season started normally where we could we ended up playing some games against local schools and clubs and we didn't have to do anything different. We just basically ran the program with with COVID protocols and then, you know, listening to other schools and all the innovative things that they're doing. Thought, well, we're not doing any of that, but we're lucky enough to be able to do the normal things. Right. So it's, you know, it's good and bad, like, wow, they're being really creative over there and we don't have to be. But that's good. But yeah, yeah that's, that's a tough thing to. You know, it can be a tough thing to deal with for, from our jobs. I think we're, right. we're, you don't want to get caught up in that idea. You got to keep up with the Joneses, right? <laughs> you do, you don't. But in these days and times, it, it, it's it's it could be trickier because somebody comes up with a really cool thing 
on a line and you, you might have that pressure of thinking, oh, we got to do that too. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great things that are going down the pipeline yeah. that that we would have not thought of joining in the past. And, and, and this is where I want to plug in the global globetrotting conference, AD, the AD conference that you're putting together. I mean, the, I've never, in my, in my 25 years, I've not seen something like this offered to kids where not only do they get the opportunity to innovate and give a workshop, but they can also, if they're not ready, they can be participants. And, and, and you've invited some wonderful speakers that are really going to bring something to them that they're going to be able to use. And all of this is going to happen online. And we didn't have this before. So, so this is another example of opportunities. And, you know, obviously schools have to look at their ability to seize on opportunities. You can't do everything. But... Um, in our school, we go through this process. We look at an opportunity. We evaluate it. We see if there's some people that are that have the energy and well-being to take it on, and um, and then we move forward from there. And so, you know, for example, we've already had a, a discuss significant discussion with our administration about this conference. And so, you know, we're all in because we think that it's going to fill a need, a huge need in our community that is just not there at the moment. And we hope that it survives uh, the pandemic. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously oh, yeah. you want to go through the first one and, and take it from there. But then we hope this is a kind of conference that will perhaps continue for a long time. Yeah. And it, we think it can, right? Because it's we want to link the international schools around the world, regardless of yeah. what country you're in, right? Which is something you couldn't do even in a normal year. You know, you're not, your kids aren't going to fly all around the world um, for a one day event. They're not. And you know, this is one of the great things that I heard Matt say about the swimming, about this initiative that you had about wanting to uh, see how you fare against swimmers from all around the world. Yeah. You know, I think that's the next logical step yeah. for a lot is for us to not just connect in the region we are, but connect with schools from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And what is that going to look like? And this this is the time to do it. It's, this is the time to test all of these technologies and opportunities. Well, this has been awesome. Thanks, guys, for joining us and uh, bringing us new insights. It's, I've been looking forward to this because, uh, as you guys know, most of the time we're talking a lot about what's happening with the uh, International School Sport Programs, but we've been wanting to touch on activities, uh, what's happening in our other parts of school life and student life. So I just want to thank you guys for joining us and, and sharing what's happening. And, and Matt, great to meet you and learn more about your meet uh, and your swim meets and the virtual components. And we hope to see more of that later on with your website. That's internationalschoolaquatics.com. So we hope folks check that out and get involved with the international scene of uh, international school swim meets so thank you very much absolutely and thank you and love having the chance to share ideas like this and to be inspired to see where things can go so thank you for being a great conduit for that for sure you're welcome before we we really sign off though let's um you guys are both in different parts of the world and different stories you know uh, matt being there only a few years and mark living most of your life uh still a young guy in uh, Budapest. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, you know, the best things or your favorite things to do in your, in your new homes. Matt, I don't know. You, Matt, you go first because Mark will, will talk us off the show, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so Bianchen is an incredible city to live in. It is probably not your first stop and probably shouldn't be your first stop if you are here as a tourist. Uh, go to Luang Prabang if you are here as a tourist, but Vientiane is an incredibly livable city. Um, one of the best things about it is certainly the school that I work for. It's a great place to work and it's a real centerpiece of the community here. But Vientiane is great. Coming from Beijing and Cairo, there's zero traffic here. The <laughs> food scene is incredibly good. Um, that French influence allows us to have great bread and great wine, which is really all we need in the world. So good food, <laughs> good wine, and you're never stuck in traffic. 
sounds great. Sounds great. Well, listen, um, the, one of the reasons I've been here so long is is because of Budapest. I, I'm, I'm, of course, biased, but I think Budapest is one of the most beautiful cities uh, in Europe. Um, you know, the beautiful Danube, the parliament buildings, um, the food is really good, very rich, a um, little fattening. I put on some weight, but hey, <laughs> uh, I tell you, it's it's a magical place to live and it's it's being here so long i've seen it change from the post-communist era to a market economy and of course uh you know it struggles like any other place but it's a great place to live it's a great place to raise a family people here are absolutely wonderful and i also love the fact that i i am less than 200 kilometers i can travel in eight different directions and be in eight different cultures and countries so you know for me it's been uh, it's been an amazing ride and i'm still looking forward to a few more years god willing <laughs> cool i tried to keep it short yeah that was I was short. I was short. Oh, and I, I want to say one last thing. I don't know. Uh, this is probably, <laughs> this is probably, I don't know if you guys know this, it's probably the only and first time in history that there's a podcast between someone from Vienna, Budapest, and Vientiane, Laos. Yes. Breaking records. Absolutely. Break records. Absolutely. Uh, breaking glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> that one may stand for a while, even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty safe. Pretty safe. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, guys, and um, yeah. all the best uh, as we as we keep navigating this uh, crazy crazy school year. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. See ya. Until next week. This has been another episode of the Globe Trotten ADs.